Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guest night's adventures throughout the world of live and local music. My name is Mark Sterry. I'm a 20-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro music scene. Check out MarkSterryMusic.net for upcoming shows, news, and info. If you'd like to toss a buck or two in the podcast tip jar, please visit Patreon.com forward slash MarkSterryMusicPodcast. Highlight gig of the week was finishing the Turtle Lake Summer School Theater music play Susie with music by the Everly Brothers. Manfred Rock, the students' hard work was embraced by the school and community. Thank you to everyone who attended. This week's podcast number 348 on Friday, June 24th, 2022 is part three of three of five-time USA Olympian in curling and skip for Team Schuster, John Schuster. We talk being flag bearer for the Beijing Olympics, favorite Olympians, female country singers, and more. Enjoy the conversation. We watched your docu- documentary. I just that watched was, it last night, actually. Was, yeah, I, we had some soccer players yeah, that we host. A long time ago. Was, I watched it. But that, January it came fishing. out. Yeah, we were fishing. Was it mostly fishing? Well, they were, that was kind of the premise okay. of the first episode. Think, we were out on the I lake. Think it was mostly fishing. <laughs> and it was good. Have you seen it? No, I didn't American see it. It just stars on Peacock. I, 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 it's still there. Yeah. And I have Peacock, too. Yeah. Four parts. Four parts. I binged it last Yeah, we binged it last night with our soccer players. That's what you call it. Yeah, watched the whole thing. So it was the second time I watched it, but I also lived it. So it was probably the third time I watched it. Wow. Yeah, American Rock Stars. We'll have to play it at the B Dale. Yeah, I watched and listened to everything else. Yeah. So. Watching the Olympics at the B-Dale, often I'm playing shows, I play down there too, and these guys are all the curling fans, St. Paul Curling Club folks that hang out down there. Let's say they see you perform at the Olympics and realize, oh, we're going to have a podcast with John Schuster. We kind of get a hair starstruck. When you go to the Olympics, what are some other athletes that you might get starstruck over? For me, for the longest time, it was always those NHL players that were, you know, and they weren't part of the last couple Olympics, but, you know, it, was, it would always be. I remember 2006, like, looking for, you know, the Chris Chelios yeah. of the world and, uh, and the Mike Madonos. And, I mean, I going into the dining hall, because you're with all these other countries in the villages, I I remember Is walking it like a by. dining hall? Seriously? Well, it was well, a big cafeteria? Giant tent, well, cafeteria. It has a built-in McDonald's in it. Or it did for a few years, but, or for four of the first five. But. I thought it only had rice. Very healthy. Oh, there's lots of rice. You know, I eat lots of rice. But they have food from all over the world. So it's like a, it's like a cafeteria on steroids that has everything fresh and, like, foods, hopefully. I mean, it was a little different this year in China. It wasn't, it was all fresh, but it was very Asian-oriented, whereas every other Olympics has kind of foods from all over the world. So people could be eating the things they generally eat when they're competing to perform their best. And that's kind of like... It's this all-world cafeteria that's – everything's made fresh. They have a grill where, you know, you can – where they're grilling stuff fresh. So it's – yeah, but in the dining hall, like, seeing Zidane Chara walking around, six, all six, seven of them, you're like, you know, he's got a crowd around him. I, I mean, I remember walking in in uh, the village in 2010 and, you know, seeing Alex Ovechkin. He was at the height of his career when that was going on. And, I mean, that's – he's not a great-looking dude in person, like <laughs> – not yeah. like but, us folks. But also, like, also somebody you wouldn't want to walk yeah. by in a dark alley yeah, yeah, and say the wrong yeah, thing because he just ripped, say, right? Yeah. Just this giant human. But, uh, you know, but then you get the the same, you know, Michelle Kwan's the world, like, Olympic legends. Wow. But you get to the point where you're not – try not to be starstruck and just try to figure out how, you know, those athletes who are, you know, Sean White. We were out oh, in, yeah. um, in Tokyo in the end of 2018 after, you know, he had – done what he did there for this some ANOC, which is the Association of National Olympic Committees. We got 
we were the team of the Olympic Games. So they flew us and our wives, like Delta One out there too, like legit. Uh, we were there for like 40 hours Whoa. and flew back. So I didn't even have time to get jet lag. But like Sean White was sitting around in the green room with us, like at normal, like fun dude. Like he's got great perspective on life and like great guy. And I remember meeting his sister back in 2006 at the friends and family house. And same thing, like you definitely, you don't see the, the flying tomato without, you know, being a little bit starstruck. Right. So like that's one of those guys too. So you ever met Lindsey Vaughn? Oh, so 2018 after we, <laughs> well, on our way to, on our way to closing ceremonies, they wanted, NBC wanted to do some shots with us and her and like control where we were going and when we were getting to closing ceremonies. So we rode in a, in a conversion van that had like a table in the middle. So we're all facing each other, kind of sitting around a table like we are here. With Lindsay, our curling team and Lindsay Vaughn going to closing ceremony. She had a bottle of champagne. She opened up. We were all drinking the champagne in the back of this van. And and that's, I, I probably haven't told that story a lot. But yeah, she was Minnesota girl originally. It was yeah. great, man. Mm. Yeah. Oh, she's my favorite. Oh, yeah. She she didn't, it didn't go too well no. for her this year. Did well, it? she no, was an announcer. Yeah, she retired before. Okay. Michaela Schifrin was the one who struggled oh, that this was year. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Which is crazy. But that's where you see, like, I mean, I think the Olympics, these last two that we've seen, the Tokyo Games, and then again here this year, you you realize that even these super athletes are human. Like, right. I mean, you really look at the yeah. uh, man. My, I can picture her, but like the gymnast from our country. Um, yeah. What is her name? She's a dominator. Simone Biles. Or Simone what Biles. Yeah. Like, yeah. like showed the human aspect of of what gymnastics is. But our sports psychologist is actually was a Division One gymnast who is our sports psychologist, and I was like, okay tell me about these twisties she's like it's wild she's like you can go and do these things and you just lose yourself in the air and she's like it's actually physically dangerous yeah like it's dangerous and it happens every top level gymnast has had it and the fact that it just happened to happen during the olympics to simone biles is like heartbreaking but that's i mean that is you know michaela same deal and she dealt with injuries and then she had covid so she couldn't train for a few weeks and got to the olympics and 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 it happens because we are all human. And that's, you know, people saw the human side of me very much in, you know, 2010. You so know, what 14. part of your body do you think is going to go first? I mean, Oh, my knees are already. <laughs> knees? Are bad. I, they were great until I, you know, I did one stupid thing last year, like doing some training stuff. And I yeah. dinged up my right knee a little bit. And so it still hasn't fully healed. And then I felt you know, taking out garbage a month and a half ago where my, I now have, like my, I had a little cyst behind my left knee anyways. It's tripled or quadrupled in size and. So yeah, it's uh, knees are definitely the knees. thing in curling that seem to be the biggest troublemaker. I understand that twisties for sure, and I felt so bad for for those people going through that on the camera because I had even a couple years ago, and I played music full time for twenty years, and even like a year or so ago, I remember I was playing some random show, and I saw the sun in my head. I was like, "What if I forget how to play guitar? Yeah. What if I forget how to play guitar? What?" And it was like stuck in my head out of nowhere. And I was like, it would just kind of give me anxiety That's before I mean. a show. Your mind goes And it was away. like, and I, I literally had to go to a psychiatrist and talk to a guy how to get rid of that. So I'm sure it's very similar to the whole, just something just clicks and they're just, you're not thinking quite right. Well, that's the brain why I is asked complicated. About throwing that last shot on TV at the Olympics, and that's where for me, really focusing like, on the how as opposed to the what, what? is that's the biggest thing for any athlete performer. Exactly. All right, I got a couple more questions, and we'll we'll let you go. And thank you, John, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Are we gonna have lunch or something? You want to eat lunch? Yeah, order lunch in here. We'll yeah, we could order right. some lunch in here, yeah. should we? Absolutely. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm hungry. Me too. I'm starving. Right. Let's order lunch here with John. Um, okay, so uh, 
Just can you mind talking about, like you're talking about how you went to the hardware store and they were just so proud of you, how you behaved on TV as a, as a professional athlete for representing America. And just tell us what it was like being the flag bearer for the oh, 2022 yeah. Beijing Olympics. So the actual act of, of carrying the flag and is, is something that it's just an, such an incredible honor because that's the person who leads out your delegation. And you see a lot of times it's people that have been to a lot of Olympics or, you know, and it's not necessarily, I mean, Sean White was one of the nominees for flag bear that, you know, I essentially beat out. You bumped him the, out, huh? Because it's a, but the beauty of that is that it's athlete voted. Oh. So each delegation has like one vote kind of deal. And, and we had to put a video forward. And, and for me, I, you know, I pretty much said in my video, I said, I'd being the flag bear would be a huge honor, but it's not going to. It's not whether I do it or don't in the opening ceremonies won't really matter because I love walking in opening ceremonies and watching, you know, first time teammates, which I had won this last time, Colin Huffman, our alternate that had never been to the mm-hmm. Olympics. And I knew that walking, I, I mean, it's one of the most vivid, I'm just getting chills talking about like starting to talk about walking into the opening ceremonies for my first time in 2006 was like this out of body experience where you float around. And then, you know, my family was at the end of that walk and I cried for like 20 minutes because I'm a crier, like. It was oh, like that was the most out of body experience I've ever had. But everyone since then has been similar. So leading the team out where, you know, 100 athletes were experiences for the first time was incredible. I mean, I didn't get to see Colin, but I, you know, got the video of my team and he's going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like he was having it like I got to hear it later. And um, but also that honor and, and knowing, you know, the athletes that came before us doing it was was incredible for me in that. In my nomination thing, I said, I don't I don't want to talk to you about why I think I should be flag bearer or why it would, you know, it would be a tremendous honor. But, you know, one thing I did learn at the beginning in 2000, before the 2006 Olympics, Bonnie Blair, Dan Jansen, Phil Marr, Derek Parra, Paul Wiley, Shannon Miller came in to be a keynote speaker. All these Olympic legends in our country brought us in and talked about, like, how important it is to become one big team. So we had this giant retreat with all the different sports, you know, in my you know, my roommate was Steve Holcomb, who went on to win a couple gold medals, and he passed away since. But, um, you know, I was on a team with Rusty Smith, who was a multiple Olympic medalist. Hannah Carney, who ended up winning a gold medal in Moguls after that. And, it's, you know, Ashley, I can never remember her last name, but she was a luge athlete. And they got us all together and told us about how becoming one big team as part of Team USA, like, was part of the magic of how USA has gotten to where we've gotten to in the Olympics, because we weren't always that way. And just trying to pass that on, because now I've been to five Olympics, and I had that knowledge and have seen the results of being a big team um of how you can help the people not just in your sport but the other sports and not even trying to just encouraging them cheering them on getting to know them on a personal level like being a big team not just the curling team the skating team the speed skating team the hockey team like you know during 2018 we played canada in the semifinals the same day the women played canada in the hockey final and for a day and a half, we both knew we were playing Canada because we both had a day mm. off. All we did was walk by each other. It's going to be a bad yeah. day to be Canada. <laughs> February 23rd is going to be a day they're going to write down that they're not going to yeah. love that day. And yeah. they went yeah. and beat Canada first, and we beat them second. Like, and we were like, but that kind of synergy is like you can take. I mean, the 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 synergy at the Olympics is something that's always I've Sorry. I've taken a lot out Sorry. of and I've learned a lot from. Outstanding. All right, one last question, John, then we'll go get lunch. What, uh, oh, you got a question? Go ahead, Cindy. ID Chrysler's Umbrota this week is the grand reopening. 
They'll have a shoveled ice truck from 3 to 5 p.m. And the first 100 snow cones are free. I still love my black tape Cherokee I get from ID Chrysler with 250,000 miles of old car. Just so much for that poor thing to take and help myself look at my new dream ride, ID Chrysler. And the staff can more help will be choosing a vehicle and willing with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out the inventory at ZombrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zumbrota, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Zombrota today and enjoy a safe summer season full of adventures and memories out in that open road in a new ride. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area, the B-Dale Club. Located in the quarter counter of B and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun, and that is a stone cold truth. Got to sneak in for a beer or two after my Legion show last week. Definitely one of my happy places, for better or for worse. Natalie Shelley, now dusting the entire bar staff for all state the art cocktail wizards. As of late, my libation of choice, the classic Greyhound cocktail. They're the quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair. Tasted little devils. Live music, pool table, pool tents, Tuesday night, chess society, bingo, meat raffle, bocce ball Thursdays, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. I know you're totally into the sport, but having your family not in the stands... Yeah, you know, I mean, it, and we're in 218, you know, everybody's up there cheering for you guys and everything. Yeah, and, and we took a ton of energy from that, and it was probably one of the key reasons for us to, to win. And, and Okay. But um, knowing the state of the world was in, I think we all had to kind of yeah. take a step back and not think of, you know, it was it was a huge bummer. It was also, I told my wife and parents and everybody that was would have maybe traveled to Beijing, um, you know, this is, it's just an opportunity. Like this is an opportunity for you to experience the Olympics with all the people back home that we care about that have never been able to travel mm-hmm. to the Olympics with us uh, to do it back home with them. And we try to take all the positives out of that. And, you know, obviously a huge bummer if my wife wasn't at the Olympics with me, not just from the stands, but for that walk. Like I'm not sitting here with you today. I guarantee I'm not. We don't we don't win gold at the Olympics if they had not been there and she wasn't there to have that conversation but mm-hmm. technology is also a beautiful thing where you're right. still able to exactly. you know have those FaceTime conversations but yeah. you know she didn't have to have any you know yeah figure it out conversations with me this time no, but uh, no. but yeah it was it was a bummer but not having fans there also made it where we had a lot more access to other sports yeah man so right. we only had to show our credential again and we're usually you have to apply for tickets three days prior and mm-hmm. do a lot more planning and our team other than John Lansner is not a lot of planners I don't know if that would come across on TV very much but we were able to, I mean, we went to Big Air twice. We went to Short Track and Paris Figure Skating. I've never seen Figure Skating at the Olympics live. Mm-hmm. I got to see it this time live for a little while. That's yeah. so cool. All right. So upcoming, I have a, a top five podcast coming up in the next few weeks. And uh, it's the top five female country singers of all time. And I got a bunch of musicians. We're going to get together at the B-Dale Club and talk about that. But since you're here and you probably won't be at the podcast and you're a country person, yeah. do you mind weighing in on your top few or five female country singers? Yeah, and I I can only give you the five like of recent ones. So I mean there I know there's the ones out there like, you know, the you know, the Loretta Lynn's of the world, which heard a lot about her, haven't heard a lot of her music because I just don't go back that far. Um <laughs> you know, but as far as like recent, uh I mean actually one of like like the Dixie Chicks probably brought in like, and now they're just the chicks, by the way. Yeah, but I they're, heard that. They're, they redid like um, Landfall in an acoustic version. Landslide. Recently. Landslide. And Outstanding. Is, like the acoustic version that they re-released is incredible. 
Um, Yeah, Natalie Maines, yeah, one of my, she's on my list for sure. Yeah, I mean, even, I think they'll, right now there's so many, like, like again, and I think somebody like Marin Morris is going to get there. She's probably not their top five all time, but like from her songwriting and is, is just kind of right now just up there, crazy. But um, gosh, I'm trying to think of longevity. Actually at that concert, it's a funny story, Trisha Yearwood and Leanne Rimes were both playing that night that I was at that Jake Owen concert, but they both released the same song, so they both played I'm trying to think of what song. How can both. I live without you? Yeah, so they both sang it. Like it was funny. <laughs> so so Leanne, I think, sang it first, and I think Trisha was the closer. Um, and and I think Trisha Yearwood does some great music. I like in concert, it there was just so much energy in the morning from like Jake and Phil and um and even Gary Allen that it was it was tricky. But like Trisha's obviously great. But I'm I'm trying to think of other like country because I sing plenty of along with plenty of ladies, but I don't know. What do you, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, I'm going to have Natalie Maines, the Dixie chicks. I'm going to have Winona Judd. Cause yeah. she, I loved the Judds and, uh, her for sure. I'm going to have, might have Sarah Evans. Yeah. And she was, I got to open for her years ago at a country festival at, um, whatchamacallit Moondance country jam. I got yep. to meet her and all that stuff. That was cool. Um, I was like, uh, uh, Jody Messina, she does a cover of those Phil she, Vassar she songs, does, yeah. and uh, she might be on the list. And then uh, Leanne Womack. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard not to put Carrie Underwood on that list. She's incredible too. Like, again, is it what she sings? Country? It's it's leaning on the pop side of country, but her delivery of of all the things that's that's probably where I was looking was like Carrie Underwood is kind of, I mean, help take even country even more mainstream than it's ever done. Which again, is that really like? But I think I think she's up there again. She's just a, like does her singing part of it. So it's other, like sometimes you have some of these other artists that are doing it all, where she's just delivering a you know vocal that, you know I don't know how much writing she does. Even Miranda Lambert has some had some. Oh, she's on stuff. mine too. Yep. And, and again, she was doing it before she married Blake and like they had their power couple that kind of brought her in there. But, you know, again, just really she she just delivers a lyric like so naturally and, and emotionally. I just yeah, actually that she has. What is it uh, like Tin Man? She did actually a vocal thing, a Tin Man with a couple of like songwriters recently. Look it up. It's absolutely incredible. You were talking about those CMA fests when they did a little, they'd go into the rooms, they do little acoustic versions of stuff. And so my publishing company is called Aristo Media and they sponsored one of the rooms. And so it was in one of the hotels downtown and I got to go into several of those little acoustic shows. And it was Miranda Lambert, Michelle Branch. Oh, yeah. And John Anderson on stage well, playing. Miranda and Michelle Branch were together in a band for a little while. Yeah, weren't, yeah. What was that? Oh, uh, the. T- Ah, I don't know if it was Miranda, but it was but it was Miranda Lambert, Michelle yep, Branch, Michelle and Branch, then John yeah. Anderson, like oh, yeah. Cherokee or Seminole Wind. That guy, straight tequila. And I, it was Heck just, yeah. a, but it was outstanding. 
Um, I got to meet her. That was really cool. Yeah, man. Gosh, good, I, good times. I mean, again, she went super, but like Taylor Swift has to be in there too. I love her. She's she one of my favorites straight, too. Obviously, pop. But her, have you watched her thing on Disney Plus? No, dude, watch it. Awesome. That it's again. I'm. I'm dropping little things like you, I'm sure you could tell me 500 of these things on the music side is something you have to watch. But like she <laughs> post pandemic, like had recorded all this, like she recorded an album completely virtually where she did the lyric from somewhere. Other guys did the music and it was the first time they got together to kind of play them live together. And they filmed it for Disney plus in a little documentary. That's so cool. So good. And she definitely dipped a lot back more into like her country roots doing it. And like even her like first album that she wrote as like a teenager in high school and like about life experience and to have it go as big as it is like it'd be hard to I mean she put out ten or twelve or fifteen singles that she wrote and sang that were better than so many country careers in the first couple of years she came out there in country I think she's a genius yeah. like a living genius she is, she is one of those people that is a going to be go down as being an iconic like artist yes. Well, thanks for your uh, uh, your input on the top five female singers of all time. I'm going to use that on the show for sure. John Suster says this. I got, so I got a you little, got another quick question, Dale? I got a little mixed up because we curled the Dixie Chicks in Chicago during the margarita. Because you're talking about <laughs> a band. You, uh, you oh, are, for God's sake. You are kidding, aren't you? All right. <laughs> Mr. John Schuster, thank you so much for being on the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks to my friends Cindy and Dale Severson from the BDL Club for helping out in the curling end of the podcast. And thanks again, Dan. Best of luck to you. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah. You're going to invite him to the barbecue, the rib contest, August, Let's go. August 6th at the B-Dale. Heck yeah. <laughs> Ribs and chicken. I can imagine your calendar. In Bloody, oh, in Bloody Mary's. Well, I'm just like, well, that's all class reunion in Chisholm, so you know, it won't be that weekend. It's only 9 a.m. And that old boss man is already getting on my case. It takes all I can do for me to get through this long eight-hour day. I opened my wallet to grab some change for the soda pot machine. And in the fold, a picture of your face is smiling right at me. I get a longing inside. Smell 
Oh! 